So we're just going to share the word this morning. It's great to be together. We've been doing this little series for the last uh, three weeks, and uh, it's not going to be a complete series. I said this morning, uh, it's called Building Your Life. And uh, somebody said to me, oh, we're we doing it again this morning. I said, yeah, it's the final one. They said, oh, well, our lives must be built by then. Do you know what I mean? It, it's not all the answers, folks, okay? But it's, I think, trying to help us. So the first one was about building your life to last eternally. You know, getting your priorities right as you follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Then last week I spoke about building your life to thrive, to enjoy it. And I talked about getting a right perspective in life. That without a perspective, actually your perspective determines how you live. And if your perspective is out of kilter and wrong, then actually life becomes much more hard, much more difficult. And we have to change our perspective. Um, And then uh, I talked about um, people, having the right people in your life. And not having the wrong people in your life. You know, it's important that the decisions you make about relationships you build will either give you life or will take it away. And we have to think about it. We do that. And I talk about pace, actually getting a pace that's sustainable. I think one of the biggest problems in our world today is hurry is rushed. Everybody's exhausted and shattered and tired. And that makes us grumpy and it makes us don't function too well. It makes us miserable at home. It causes all kinds of pressure in our lives. And we have to set the pace for ourselves and not let everybody else settle set the pace for us. And that can be difficult, can't it? And uh, we can find ourselves overwhelmed sometimes. So today I want to talk about building your life to make a difference. Um, How many of you know God wants you to make a difference in life? He wants you to to, to be someone who lives for his kingdom to change the lives and circumstances of the world around us. And I just want to uh, jump into Ephesians chapter 2 this morning. Um, And uh, we're just going to read a couple of verses. And uh, go from there. Verse uh, 4 of Ephesians chapter 2. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Anybody want to say amen, you know? And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he may show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, that is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Isn't that amazing little verse? Ephesians 2 verse 10. What a great verse. You need to memorize that verse. If you want to pick a verse to memorize, that's it. We are God's handiwork. When you turn to the person beside you and say, I'm God's handiwork, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's a strange thing, isn't it? You know, I love that. I love that because what that means is God has put his creative power into designing me. Hallelujah. Come on. It's a liberating thing, you know, because our worth is not in, in what we do. Our worth is in the fact that God has created us to know him and be his. And he's put his creative power and design into our lives. Wow. That, that lifts the value of every man and woman on the planet because God has breathed into them, because God has thought about them, because God has worked in them to produce something wonderful. And out of that, we need to have the sense of, you know what, I want to live and I want to fulfill the purpose of God for my life. I want to do what God's made me to do. You see, the how you thrive in life is to do what God's called you to do. It's to say, you know what, well, I can make a difference. I can live for God. You know, we want to leave a legacy in some way. We've had a week of politicians resigning. 
One, because they're getting a load of abuse, and two, because they don't feel they're achieving anything. And nobody wants to take abuse if you don't feel you're achieving anything. If you feel as if it's pointless, you can't go on. And that's true in our lives. If we haven't got a sense of what we're living for, if we're not living for something bigger than ourselves, then actually our lives will always struggle to be satisfied. And that's the big lie of our society is that you just have to put yourself first and, you know, actually look after yourself and everybody else will take it. No, friends, we actually have to change the society and have an outlook that's different, an outlook that, that's much more in tune with the kingdom of God. We need a paradigm shift in our thinking that enables us to be servants of others rather than seek to be served ourselves. And in a consumer society, that is a hard shift. Because everything in us assesses whether people are serving us right. Do you ever stand in the queue at the supermarket and think, oh, for goodness sake. It's just me. Do you ever go into a queue in traffic and think, I've picked the wrong lane. It's just everything about us. It's about us. It's about us. If it's not suiting me, then it's not good. But friends, we've bought into the lie of our society that's about us. It's not. As Christians, it's about him. That's what we're working. See, that's what we're singing, isn't it? We're singing it's about him. It's not just about us. See, the benefit to us is a, is a side effect of his purpose and his kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added unto you. If you seek first all these things, you're going to miss the kingdom of God. And the trouble is we, we spend so long focusing on these things that we miss the purpose of God for our lives. And Jesus comes and he says, actually, you know, uh, through the scripture, Paul goes, you have been created. You are God's handiwork. God has designed you and he's given you something to do. Will you do it? And that's the question for us as we follow Jesus today. Jesus often decided, uh, challenged his disciples about it because they didn't really get it. John 13, now I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. You also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Woo! Do I really have to wash your feet? See, it's a challenge, isn't it? I've only ever had my feet washed once. By an old brother called Amos who used to be in this church. And when I visited him, he said, Pastor, I must wash your feet. And I went, please don't wash my feet. You know, I was thinking, I wish I had a shower this morning. <laughs> now, Pastor, I, you, you are God's man. And I was so hideously embarrassed while this, well, I don't know, he must have been 80-something, knelt before me and washed my feet. And I thought, goodness me. Pastor, I, I must serve you. Why? We don't have to watch each other's feet. The bowls are coming in now. We're just going <laughs> to... I mean, that'd be an awkward morning in church, wouldn't it? <laughs> we don't have to do that. But, but the, the spirit behind it is... is and, and Jesus says to his disciples, you know, now I've done this for you. Actually, you need to be servants of others. You need to be willing to serve others. And it, and it blew their minds. Peter, you know, this primary apostle who we all love, he couldn't cope. He's going, you'll never wash my feet. I was a bit like that with Amos. You'll never wash my feet. I want to be the humble one. See, isn't it funny how actually it's harder sometimes to allow people to serve you? But we're all called to serve. 
and to do what God's called us to do. He, he said to the disciples, um, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Wow, what a revelation. Jesus comes and says, listen, if you want to follow me, if you want to be like me, if you want to build your life to make a difference, you've actually got to become someone who has a shift in your thinking away from what happens to me to how can I serve others around me. And here we are in church today. We're here because we're seeking God in some way. We're here because we're following him, maybe from a distance, maybe up close, maybe we're just in that journey. But, but the challenge to us is, will I become someone who builds my life to make a difference in the lives of others? Some of us are better at that than others, but, but there's a challenge to us as believers. See, that's how Jesus lived. Acts 10, 38 says this, God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power. Wow, what an amazing phrase. Holy Spirit and power. And that says this, and he went around doing good and healing all those who were under the power of the evil one because God was with them. See, one of the reasons we need the Holy Spirit is to help us to do good. We want the power, but actually the power comes to help us to do good to others because doing good to others is a bigger challenge than sometimes doing the powerful things in life. So I want you to think about this this morning. How are you building your life? See, we can all make a difference in the life. Not many of us will make a difference that impacts nations and cultures and and the history books. Not many of us are going to be Mother Teresa or or Dr. Bernardo or Martin Luther King or one of these guys who who changes a whole culture and, and radically reforms society. But all of us can be someone who makes a difference in other people's lives. All of us have the capacity to do that. All of us have the ability to do it. What we say, what we do, how we respond, how we treat others. I think we underestimate the impact of serving. But we all like to be served. We all like good service in the restaurant. We all like good service from people who are doing things for us, who are paying to do a job. We we value service when other people are doing it for us. But we underestimate the importance of it when we can serve others. So we need to recognize that God is calling us to develop a servant spirit in our life. So what does the Bible teach us about using our lives to make a difference? Just four quick things. One, God has created us to do good. He's created us to do it. It's built into us. Friends, you need to understand, if you don't give your life to doing good, you are not living up to the design. There's a creative thing within you that says, actually, I need to work out something in my life that's bigger than me. If I just live for myself, I'm living in a limited way. I'm living with a limitation that surrounds me. I need to start to understand that it's when I reach out to do good to others that I start to step in to the design that God has invested in my life. It's then I start to come into fulfillment. It's then I start to operate in in what you're doing. Uh, Can I tell you a secret this week? Um, I, I went to a driving awareness course. Thanks. It's not one of the biggest achievements of my life, but you know. It, 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 are you ready for more confession? It's my third. And they, and they ask you, you know, these questions about the great thing was, because I've done it three times, I knew all the answers. I was the SWAT. Do you know what I mean? What does this mean? I can tell you that, sir. Do you know what I mean? The table all around me were going, how many times have you done this? Because it doesn't matter. I said, it doesn't matter. 
But the thing they said was, you know, uh, you know I, I like, they said, why do people drive quickly? And the truth is, we drive quickly because we like to. You know, saying, you know, oh, but we like to. You've got to challenge that, really, haven't you? I mean, because if you don't, you know, if you don't like driving quickly, you don't. But if you like to, you do. And you take the risk, don't you? We've all had that moment on the motorway and the camera's gone flash. Just me, huh? Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah. You're all so spiritual on you today. You're all so godly in this place. Just me. Uh, and it goes flash and you say something like, oh, Lord Jesus, please don't let me work in. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even remember why I told, started telling this story. It's not in my notes. What I'm trying to say is we're designed for something. Cars are designed to go quick and we want to use them. Listen, you're designed to do good. And when you don't do good, it actually makes you less functional. Think about it. Because if you're designed to do good and you don't do good, you're not living up to the potential that God's put within you. So if you want to start to live to the full, you have to start to do good. There's no doubt about it. You see, so often we're so self-centered and self-absorbed and what we can get out of it. But if we want to live up to the potential of God, actually we have to say, how can I do good today? What can I do to help others? What can I do? Because we are so surrounded by, by, and it just inoculated into our lives about an insensitivity to the needs of others. Now we're going to talk a little bit about that today as we go through. But I just wanted to make the point. See, we are not born just by a human decision, but by a divine one. That's what we believe. Psalm 139, you created my inmost being. You, speaking about God, knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. That's what we celebrated this morning with Simeon. That God has had a part in the design. And therefore, the design is so much more glorious because God is at work in that and this divine investment means that there is stuff we used to sing an old song uh, when we were there's a work for Jesus none but you can do anybody remember it there's a work for Jesus ready at your hand tis a master master just for you has planned come on but what it was teaching us you see sometimes the simple songs from the past and they were simple and they were a bit twee but they taught us something about what we were called to do. They reminded us that actually every one of us has something to do for God. None of us can say, I haven't got any purpose, because God's given you purpose. It's to do good. Listen, you won't enter into the big destiny of your life unless you start doing good. If you can't smile at someone and say a kind word to them, how are you going to step into the great purposes of God? If you walk around with a face that's been slapped, it becomes hard, doesn't it? <laughs> God wants us to step into it. He wants us to understand it. We have been created to it. We need to take that and carry that within our lives. The mission statement of the church, and I know we can get into all kinds of things, just as this, do to others as you would have them do to you. I used to read that negatively. What I read was, don't do to other people what you don't want them to do to you. Because that's passive, isn't it? Oh, I'm not going to be nasty to people because I don't want them to be nasty to me. But it doesn't say that, actually. It says, do good to others. Do to others. It says, engage with others. It says, be nice. It says, be abundant. It says, pour into other people's lives. It says, be someone who's willing to give of themselves, even if you don't get it back, because that's what you wish other people would treat you like. You see, there's a biblical principle here, because when you start to live like that, people start to respond differently. It's called sowing and reaping. 
it's just that whole thing, isn't it? If you smile at other people, other people smile back. If you glare at people, guess what happens? They glare back. It's not rocket science, is it? But somehow we think we can break that law. We think we can sow sparingly and reap abundantly. Well, actually, the Bible tells us we can't. See, there are principles in Scripture that God's put into place that we have to adhere to. And we think, oh, if I just pray about it, God will bypass his law. No, he won't. Forgiveness is one of those, by the way. We think that if we don't forgive and just pray about forgiveness, God will forgive us. Actually, the Bible says the opposite to that. The Bible says if you don't forgive, God won't forgive you. Just thought I'd throw that in. Take that home and enjoy it. That's how we make a difference in people's lives. I'm going to serve them. I'm going to become someone who seeks to do good in their lives. Number two, God has given us gifts to use that we can do good. 1 Peter 4 verse 10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Wow. Here's the deal, folks. All of us are gifted. Isn't that great? We're all gifted children. We're all gifted children of God. God has created in you something of his gift, something of his personality, something of his power and experience. He's put it within you. He's invested it. And therefore, today you sit here and you've got a gift that you can use to serve. See, here's the great thing. We're not all the same. Aren't you glad about that? Some of us have got lovely character. Some of us have got um, great um, uh, outlook on life. Some of us have intellectual abilities. Some of us have uh, uh, emotional abilities. Some of us have an ability to touch and connect with people and encourage people. Some of us haven't. And so the, the, fact, the, 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 the issue for us is, are we going to use what God has put within us to, to make a contribution? Are we going to say, well, actually, if God's gifted me in this way, I'm going to use it for his glory and for his benefit? I'm going to do what God has called me to do. See, even the most insignificant thing, when used right, can make a huge difference. Here's Proverbs. Anxiety weighs down the heart. We all know about that, doesn't it? But here's what it says. A kind word cheers it up. See, the truth is, most of us just have to have a kind word on our lips. See, there's, there's an interesting thing, isn't there? You know what my mum used to say to me when I was growing up? If you can't say anything nice, don't say it. That's a great reminder for us today. How do we speak? What do we say? When somebody, you know, needs cheering up, have we got a word that actually helps them? Not a word that makes them feel worse. You know, sometimes Christians are the most unsympathetic people on the face of the earth. We all, we've all experienced, haven't we? Well, just pray about it. The Lord's in control. You'll be all right. <laughs> now, that might be true. But actually, what they need is, I'm really sorry to hear that. How can I help? But how many of you know it's easier to say, the Lord's in control. It'll be all right. See, the Bible says we should rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. That means I have to be happy with my South African friends this morning. <laughs> it hurts. The thing about an international church is you actually have South Africans in the building. So we rejoice with you. And I hope you weep with us. 
We have, to, we have to do what God's called us to do. See, it's about, I'm going to use whatever gift that I have. The Bible puts it like this. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Listen, just because people aren't like you doesn't mean they can't serve God. Just because people don't do what you do doesn't mean they can't serve God. God has created all of us able to serve him as he's made us. Some of them will do it loudly. Some of them will do it quietly. Some will do mighty things. Some will do humble things. It doesn't matter. What matters is that people are saying, you know what? I'm using what God's given me. If the only thing you think you've got from God is a smile, smile. Because the smile makes a difference. The smile changes people's lives. I mean, God wants to reveal it to you. He wants to help you. We all have a part to play in building our lives to make a difference for God. We need to take hold of what God has. And though we all have different gifts, Romans tells us this. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, prophesy. If it is uh, serving, serve. If it is teaching, teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is to giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If to show mercy, do it cheerfully. <laughs> you don't know what that means. Is when you're forgiving someone, don't do it like this. Well, I forgive you, I suppose. The Lord tells me I have to, so therefore I have to. You're forgiven. <laughs> Mercifully means, hey, you know what? It's okay. I understand. We're okay. God bless you. It's mercifully. See, all of us can do good like that. But we have to say, you know, this is how God's wired me. I'm, 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 it's okay. And it means you don't have to be like everybody else. You can just be yourself. We feel under pressure to perform or to have comparison with other people. Or I can't do what they do, therefore God can't use me. That's rubbish, friends. That's the enemy of your soul trying to make you ineffective in life. He just wants you to be kind. He just wants you to think, well, God, you've given me a heart of love. I'm going to use it. Giving me a word of encouragement. I'm going to speak it. Each of us is gifted to do it. Number three, God asks us to be intentional about doing good. See, if 1 Peter chapter 4 says this, uh, as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. I think that's a really interesting phrase. Faithful stewards. See, a faithful steward is someone who knows what they should do and who continually does it. When the master's eye is upon them and when it's not, they're faithful. There's someone that the master can say, hey, I can just trust him to get on with it. Talked about Joseph. I mean, Joseph was an amazing story. I'm, you know, Joseph was betrayed by his family. His brother sold him into slavery. The slavers sold him into Potiphar's house where he thrived, but then Potiphar's wife accused him of raping her, and he was put into prison. He spent 13 years in prison, and he had a revelation for two of the people in prison, who were one, one of whom was set free because of the revelation, and who ignored him and left him in prison until the pharaoh started to threaten his life. And then he said, oh, Joseph is in prison. And, and Joseph comes out of prison, and here's the amazing thing. He's just got a free life. He's coming out, he's got a free spirit. He could have said, well, God, I've been sold into slavery by my family. I've been wrongly accused. I've been imprisoned and I've been betrayed. I don't want to do good to anybody today. They can all rot as far as I'm concerned. Sound familiar? Because what happens is we get so fixated upon our situation that we fail to hear and understand the calling of God upon our life. And God is saying, hey, I, I'm not asking you to be happy about the situation you're in. What I'm asking you is to be happy about the fact that you're a faithful steward of what I've given you. 
I'm asking you to say, you know what? This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. See, that's what Christianity is about. My friends, Christianity is not the easy, hey, we just believe in Jesus and don't have any problems kind of thing. If it was, this place would be much fuller, wouldn't it? Every church in the country would be packed. Christianity is actually, you know what? I choose to believe in Jesus Christ and I choose to live for him. So therefore, I'm going to give, I'm going to live my life as a steward, as someone who's serving God deliberately with what I have. And so the first issue in my life is, God, I'm surrendered to you and what I have, I'm going to use for your kingdom and for your glory. doesn't matter about the way it does. doesn't matter whether it's in practical ways. It doesn't matter whether it's through giving or speaking or praying or helping. But it matters that we have to be intentional. Jesus told the parable of the good Samaritan to answer the question, who is my neighbor? Because, you know, we all know we have to love God. But then he says, you know, you also have to love your neighbor. Who is my neighbor? And so he told the parable of the good Samaritan. And the parable of the good Samaritan was the story of um, a man who set off on a journey and was attacked by thieves and left to die by the side of the road on the road to Jericho. And uh, the local pastor happened to come by. And look at him and thought to himself, if I help him, I'm going to miss the church meeting. And so he carried on. Then the local elders came. Bad bunch. <laughs> Pastor at least was taking a meeting. They were just, they were skiving. Tell me. Looked at him and said, oh, I, I, I don't want to get tainted. Carried on. And then a Samaritan Someone who the Jews despised. Someone who culturally nobody would have wanted to even touch them if they were well. He came by and he had pity on the person who was in trouble. And he picked him up and he took him. He bandaged his wounds. He looked after him. He put him on his own donkey and he walked with him to a hotel. And paid for him to stay the night and the next few nights in the inn. And said, I'll come back and see you on the way home from my trip. And he said, you know, there was an intentionality about it. See, sometimes we have to say, hey, this is an opportunity for me to show the love of God deliberately. In my life. To look for that opportunity that we can bring the love of God into people's lives. And it will always come at a cost to ourselves. You know, there's never a good time for an interruption, is there? I remember once driving home from work when I was a printer in Gloucester. And I was driving down the road and just out of the corner of my eye, I saw an old man fall on the pavement. And of course, I was a good Samaritan. But I was a good Samaritan after I went around the Roman system and came back. Because actually, I just thought, oh, someone will help him. And so I drove on. The Spirit of God came upon my life and said, you're a nasty piece of work, you, aren't you? Just me, huh? So I drove all around the block, came back, found the man. He was okay. I thought to myself, I'll never do that again. I remember seeing a guy walking down the road and near my house in Stoke-on-Trent, out of his head on some kind of drug, standing in the middle of the road. Everybody else is beeping at him. Get out of the way, you loser. Do you know what I mean? So I had to pull over and get out and walk into the middle of the road and stop the traffic and help him out. Do you know what the man did? He growled at me. Yeah! So I'm well, thank you, Jesus. This is a victorious moment. <laughs> Serving the poor. But see, Jesus didn't say everybody would be grateful. He said, do good. 
And so we need to unintentionally sometimes, and that's hard, friends, because we've always got busy agendas, we've always got stuff to do, we've always got things that need dealing with, but somewhere along the line we have to say, you know what, I believe in Jesus enough to understand that he's created me to do good, and if I don't do good, I'm not enjoying the life that he's given me, I'm living a lesser life. And so, I, I, you know, here's the amazing thing. When you do good, you're doing it for their sake, but you're also doing it for yours. Because if Jesus came to serve, not to be served, how many of you know we have to serve too? Listen to this. Let us not become weary. It's interesting that Jay was praying for weariness this morning. Weariness is a big thing in life. We always have to fight it because we're overwhelmed. We've got more time-saving technology than we've ever had, and we're more tired than we've ever been, more weary than we've ever been, more on the edge than we've ever been, more without a margin in our lives, and it just takes something just to tip us over the edge. And it says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time you will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, there it is, let us do good to all people especially to those who belong to the family of believers. You know, in other words, it says, first and foremost, we have to look after one another. You know what, church? I can't look after you all. I mean, honestly, you shouldn't want me to. I'm rubbish at it. But we can look after one another. See, don't say, oh, that's his job or their job. It's your job. Let's do good to the family of believers and then to all people. It's what God's created us. And God looks to us and wants us to do good. It's part of living for him. Living for him is not just about our experience. It's about how everybody else experiences Jesus through us. Let us do good to others. And then finally, God is honored by our doing good. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Here's the question. How much glory is Jesus getting because of our lives? It's a big question, isn't it? How much glory is Jesus getting because of our lives? Because of how we treat other people? Because of how we make decisions in the office? Because how we relate to other people? See, it's a big thing, isn't it? Because the Bible tells us that he is glorified by how we live, by what we do. See, sometimes it's much easier to stand in a worship service and do this. And that brings glory to God. It's a, it's a moment of surrender. But that moment of surrender has to be backed up by then how we treat other people. Are you ever singing along in the car to a worship song? I exalt you. Praise the Lord. Get out of the way, you idiot. <laughs> Just me, huh? You see, what that tells us is that our attitude of worship can be more cultural than it is heartfelt. That actually our surrender to God is superficial. I, I, I struggle with that. But you see, when I ask myself, is how I treat this person about honoring God, is it honoring him? Guess what happens? I change the way I treat people. Because every person then has his character. And every person has the value that he's given them. And every person is of worth to him. And every person 
and how I treat them is a reflection of how I worship God. It's a big thing, isn't it? I don't want to embarrass anybody here today, so I'm not going to use names, but I was talking to somebody this week, and they told me that they come to church today because someone who they know was so attractive to them in how they lived that they wanted to know why. Isn't that lovely? And so they came to church because actually they saw something that made them want to know the Jesus who that person served. Wow. What we do honors God or dishonors him. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. James says this, doesn't it? What good is it, my brothers, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? He says, you know what? You've got to put it into action. You've got to say, well, actually, this is what I'm carrying and this is how I work it out in the life that I have. And that's challenging because it means we have to think about how we treat and engage with others. This is how we make a difference in life. This is how we build our life to make a difference to others. God has created us to do good. He's given us gifts to use. He asks us to be intentional and we bring glory to him by how we live and by what we do. Now, I know most of us are aware of this, but I think it's important to remind us today that we build our life by making a difference. The Bible says, let us spur one another on towards love and good deeds. That starts with the people of God, that we would love one another and do good to one another but it then overflows to the world around us. So today I want to ask you, are you living with a sense of being created to do good? Is Christianity transforming your view of why you're on the planet? Do to others as you would have them do to them. Take on the mission of Jesus Christ. What gifts have you been given that you can use? Listen, don't wait until you've been given superpowers until you can fly through the air and multiply bread and wine. Do you know what I mean? Just start with a smile. Start with a simple act of grace and kindness. Start with a word of encouragement. Look at how you can touch the lives of other people. How can you do intentionally? Uh, how can you do good intentionally within the world where you are, within your family and school and education and sphere of influence? How can you bring a different atmosphere where you go? Are you living a life that honors God? Not just by what you say, not just by what you believe, but what you're doing with what you believe. Let's pray. Ban, would you come back, please? Father, we just thank you this morning for your grace. We thank you that you've called us, Lord, to know you. Lord, that today we find ourselves here in this place, Lord, because... Lord, we've come either because we're celebrating with someone we love or we've come, Lord, because uh, we're serving you. And Lord, we love you and we thank you for who you are and what you've done in our lives. We thank you, Lord, that we can come together and just worship you. Lord, we can share your word. Lord, the simple message, Lord, the simple message of life, Lord, that we build our lives to make a difference for your kingdom and for you. And so, Lord, we just pray that you would just come and bring your spirit right now to, to just help us respond to this word. Lord, it's a, it's a word that relevant to everyone today. You don't have to be a prophet to know that. Lord, it's relevant to all of us. We can all do good. 
We can all use our lives to make a difference. So, Lord, I pray that you would just speak to us now. Prompt us, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would, Lord, help us to understand that we are hardwired, Lord. You've built it into us. Lord, that the priority of our lives should not be ourselves, but others. Lord, seeking for a sure kingdom and then loving God and loving other people. Our neighbors, Lord. Those who are our neighbors in life. Lord, help us, Lord, to respond to you. I pray, Lord, that you would show us, Lord, how you've gifted us. Lord, the kind of things that we can do, Lord, whether it's, Lord, praying over someone or doing something practical for someone or baking for whatever it is, Lord. It doesn't really matter. But, Lord, help us to use it, Lord, Lord, to be a blessing to other people. Pray, God, that you'd show us, Lord, that how we live for you, Lord, brings honor to your name. I pray there be enough good works, Lord, among your church that the name of Jesus would be honored. Lord, in our nation. We thank you, Lord, just for each person here who seeks to live for you. Lord, this isn't a condemning message, Lord. Lord, there's no condemnation in Christ. Lord, this is a call to live, Lord, lives, Lord, that are like Jesus and to please him in every way. Amen.